you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Smith. Fires over the middle. Great grab by Metcalf out in front, and he will go all the way for a touchdown. 73 yards to the left. Looks toward Lamb. Shoulder shake. Throws. That's going to be caught by Ferguson. Touchdown. Lockett comes to the slot. Here comes Parsons, and he forces the pass. Incomplete, and that will wrap it up. Woo-wee. That will wrap up a 41 to 35 Cowboys victory on Thursday night football. Maybe you couldn't tell it from Al's voice there, but we got the best Thursday night game of the year. And we got Maybe the perfect. Ever. Maybe ever. Who knows? I'd have to go through it. Uh, we got the perfect guest for it, too. It's Steven Ruiz of The Ringer who's been doing yeoman's work all around the podcast land. It's Steven Ruiz week, and uh, what better game to have him on for than the Gino and Dak, our, our gods among us showcase. Thank you, Steven. I texted you right after that Gino touchdown to open the game. He knew I was coming on today. He was going to give <laughs> us a show. But yeah, the last time you came on was, uh, was the, uh, you know, he don't write back game uh, for Gino. So it's been too long. And uh, this was a great Gino game, uh, but it does feel a little beside the point to to start with Gino. The the Cowboys put up 41 points in a shootout in a game that there were no punts, according to Scott Hansen's researcher at Red Zone, and who am I to doubt uh, his researcher at Red Zone? It's only the fourth game in the history of the NFL to have no punts. Five, if you include the the Colts, Chiefs. Peyton Manning versus Dick Vermeil and Trent Green showdown in 2004. That was like my first season uh, covering the league. That was exciting. Um, this was just a preposterously great offensive performance by both quarterbacks, both teams. But to me, we, we start with just like the, the majesty, I would guess, of Dak Prescott right now, that he just has an answer for everything opposing defense, especially the Seahawks defense was trying to do. Yeah, I thought Seattle played well defensively. Uh, there was a lot of talk about oh, the come sacks. On. 
They didn't get a stop. I mean, considering that they were putting him under pressure now, he was making tight window throws. I really think there's an alternate universe where you put two other quarterbacks into this game and they have to handle that pressure that both quarterbacks had to deal with all day. And it looks horrible. And we don't get anywhere close to 35 to 31 or whatever the final score ended up being. That was, I thought the two quarterbacks were the story of the game. And do you watch, do you watch on the, the prime vision? That gives I do, you like the yes. all 22? I do enjoy that. I got a little thought, Schwartzstein action in my life. Yes. Right, right. I love that. Uh, it was just a magical performance from that view too. It, it really allowed you to appreciate what these guys were doing. Yeah. Early on, you know, I'm thinking, man, these Cowboys receivers are open as the game wore on. I'm with you. The, the pressure built up. The windows got a little tighter, but Dak specifically, and I misspoke by saying they didn't get a, a, a single stop, the Seahawks defense. There was one stop all night by by uh, the Seahawks defense, and that was in, uh, I'm counting it now, uh, nine drives, not counting the kneel down drives. And that was just when CeeDee Lamb dropped the ball, uh, a wide open, just you know, short pass on, on fourth down. Otherwise, there literally would not have been a, a, a drive that the Cowboys did not score on. And the thing that impresses me is he just he just has answers for everything. Like I think of actually a, a fourth and one situation where he checked out of the play two different times where they were clearly going to try to stop the sneak up the middle. Then I don't know what he saw the second time, but he checked it again and he checked it you know, to the f- perfect play, a run to the outside and they get it. So even on plays where he's not throwing the ball, he's just kind of seeing everything you're doing and he's making all the right decisions and he's not missing any throws. I mean, he was just on the money with, with just about every throw tonight. And then I think he's adding on top of that, like the the old school Dak creation stuff out of, out of structure. Yes. He is the best quarterback in the league statistically out of structure. Not Josh Allen, not Patrick Mahomes, not Lamar Jackson, none of these guys. Dak Prescott. What do you mean? Or, like out of the pocket or plus two and a half seconds? How do they measure that? Out of the pocket and PFF, according to PFF, when the defense, the pass rush forces the quarterback to move off of his spot so it's not a straight drop back, he is the best in the NFL. By PFF grade, he's got like a low 90s grade. The next highest guy is like in the 70s. Hmm. It is ridiculous, and I do think his season changed on that Sunday night game against the Chargers where he ran for that touchdown, and I think he ran the play before on, on a play that actually he he normally wouldn't have this year. He scrambled. He came up just short on like a, a third and nine or something to set up a fourth and one, and he, he put his head down, and I was like, ooh, there's Dak running again. That's what we always want, and I swear since then, the rushing yards aren't crazy. Like tonight, it's 23, but there's four plays where he helps himself with his legs running, which is just a really important four plays. And then, as you say, also just making great decisions outside the pocket, which he did, you know, on, on a number of throws tonight. It was just like there, unless you have just an elite pass rush and the Seahawks just don't, it's hard to think of how you're going to get this guy down. And it's tough against this Cowboys offensive line, which is playing really well. That's what, that's why I would say, like, I thought that, defense didn't play too badly and i didn't think the defensive game plan was too bad because i thought the way they got to dak prescott was blitzing there was a lot of like corner pressures a lot of like zone pressures and i i thought seattle's approach to the game their their thinking going into the game was we're not going to get to dak unless we play like a reckless style and that's our only chance of being in in this game it didn't work out but i think it it, it like makes sense as a strategy going into it and i think if they would have just rushed four and dropped back seven dak would have picked them apart 
I mean, we're both Geno fans, and because of that, I've become a quasi uh, Seahawks fan. Maybe you haven't gone that far, and so the defense was was frustrating me. Yes, they're sending a lot of blitzes, but they can never finish them. It, they're just bouncing off of them. There's that play, Daryl Taylor, who's not like a safety. I mean, he's a defensive end, has him in a bear hug, and I don't know what happened. The play, Dak just like shrugs him off. And that would have been like, there were so many plays like that. Adams had another one. Whereas like if they could just bring him to the ground or bring some of the receivers that, that caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage occasionally to the ground, it's like they would have them in big time negative yardage situations and they just couldn't do it. And so again, I, once that Chargers game happened, I was like, wow, he played just about perfect game that game. And then the next week he's like perfect that week. And People weren't really picking up on it yet because they were playing lesser teams and the record wasn't as good then. But he's he's almost been throwing like a perfect game every week since week six. It's great. It, he he at this point is I think gonna come out of this week, you know, one of if not the MVP front runners, which is crazy because he was like plus three thousand three weeks ago. And it's high degree of difficulty. It's not like he's like dinking and dunking out there. He's throwing like these covered seam balls, these tight window passes. Uh, He's throwing on the run. He's he's throwing out of structure. He's throwing with guys hanging off of him like we saw tonight. He's up to his game another level. And I think he's finally starting to get credit for stuff he already did well. Like he's finally starting to get credit for like the pre-snap stuff and being that brain before the snap. Like you heard Kirk Herbstreit tonight kind of compare him to Peyton Manning in the pre-snap phase. And I think that's apt. And I think it's something he never got credit for. And one of the reasons I think he's so polarizing as a player, even though he's been this like steadfast winner and guy who produces at a high level since he's entered the league, beyond being a Dallas Cowboys quarterback and everything that comes with that, is that it's kind of hard to appreciate the the things he's really good at because they're so subtle, especially yeah. if you're not watching week to week and you're not watching like the film and you're, you, you don't really like understand what's going on pre-snap. I just think like if we gave him that credit, I don't think we would be having these debates about Dak Prescott mm. every offseason. I've been trying to I've been trying to give him that credit. I, I brought up the Manning, you know, that he I don't think he, he's Manning or, or Brady. But as that generation was still playing, but aging out, I was like, well, he's the he's the guy that's of the young generation. That's like the most like that. Like he's the yeah. he's the quarterback's quarterback. He's he's how, you know, Greg Cosell wants the game to be played <laughs> inside the pocket and figuring it out mentally. And it's all coming together. And he's had he. He has, he's at an age where it's all perfect. He's got a unreal number one receiver. And I think this game is going to be important for him just in the way, not important for him in terms of what you're saying. He's playing great. He, nothing needs to change. Uh, but MVP race and then their playoff race. And even as a team, they were really tested in this game by a good opponent. I know Seattle was struggling coming into this game. Uh, but their offense certainly wasn't struggling tonight. Like, I don't know if a team is going to beat up this Cowboys defense any better than the Seahawks did tonight. And so Dak was really pushed uh, in this game. The score was 28 to 20 uh, coming out of halftime. Uh, once Gino got the, the kickoff in the, to start the second half, went right down the field to go 28 to 20. Uh, Cowboys get it closer. And then the Seahawks score again uh, to DK. Uh, to start the fourth quarter. And so it's 35 to 27. He has to make a fourth quarter comeback. Uh, they have the field goal drive. Uh, they have uh, another touchdown drive there by Dak. And then uh, they tack on the field goal late. So just kind of like those situations that I know, like he, they shouldn't need to pass these tests, but they they do need to because they need to win some close games. It's not just going to be blowouts in the playoffs. And 
And they found a way to do that, even though I, I have some issues with Mike McCarthy's game management. And we can get to that in a minute. It sort of doesn't matter when you only face, I think they only had four third downs in the second half. I mean, that's the thing. They, they, these two teams put up these score with very few possessions. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like a 13, 12 possession game where they put up these numbers. Like they, they had almost no margin for error and, and he hit it. And, and he could have actually had more. There was that, that CD drop on fourth down. And then one of the best throws he had the night, which, which was right. was the field goal drive in the fourth quarter that came up short, which looked like a crazy pass. He put it between three people, but it got to CD, and he actually didn't bring it down in that scenario. That's why I was like watching the end of the game, and I was like, no matter how this ends, it's going to be very disappointing for one of these teams. It's going to be very disappointing for us for having to like come up with losers in this game because I yes. just thought it was played at such a high level. That even if Dallas had lost, I, I don't think I would have come on here and been like, oh, they're frauds or everything we thought they were. Like, Gino just played so well and under pressure, too. It's not like Dallas made it easy on him. At one point in the fourth quarter, he was like 11 for 12 under pressure and mm. averaging t- 10 yards per attempt. Yeah. Like, that's let, insane. Let, no one, Nobody does that. Let's get to the Gino portion. We, we've put it all off long enough. But I, I'm with you. Like, there are no big losers here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little annoyed about the Seahawks defense later just yeah. in terms of roster construction and everything and some of the game management stuff and and Jason Myers missed another important kick in this game uh but just in terms of the the way this season shapes up before we move to Gino it's like it was absolutely vital though they got this win to stay in the NFC East race I still think they can win this division because I just think you know the Eagles are underdogs this week and then the Cowboys uh, are probably playing for first, are playing for first place next week and so that's like it doesn't get much bigger than that they ha- they actually do have it right there in front of them i know their schedule's brutal so it'd be hard to finish that out but th- there's a v- very real chance that they're in first place in the NFC East with and they're going to have extra rest going into that Eagles game in 10 days whereas the Seahawks I felt like this was their chance to to sneak one in here during this brutal stretch and they couldn't get it done. And it's so surprising to me, uh, Stephen, that they put up 35 points in the first uh, 50 minutes of this game. Their offensive line and everything going into this game and their, their offensive cohesion did not indicate that this performance was coming. No, I did not expect this performance, and I did not expect it because of that matchup, the offensive line versus the defensive line. And Dallas's defensive line, despite not getting a lot of sacks, they did get pressure, and I thought they won for the most part. Uh, I thought Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator, called a great game. I didn't like the calls at the end. I thought he kind that's one thing I – that's my one thing against Waldron is that he gets a little galaxy brained at time. He kind of outthinks himself a little bit. I don't know what that last play was, but it kind of looked like a screen pass, like a late slip screen pass, which is an interesting call in fourth and what was it? Fourth and five with the game on the line. Fourth, fourth and two. Yeah. Fourth and two. And it gets blown up and it never really had a chance. And well, no, yeah. Parsons got there in the next in stats measured in 1.3 seconds. I mean, it was Parsons. Yeah. They tried to like totally protect, unblocked. Yeah. I am not sure where the protection went wrong whether that was supposed to be the running backs it went wrong somewhere they needed to reset i don't know like who that's on that it's happened more than you would want to for the seahawks this year and yeah to get into that position and there were a couple drives in the fourth quarter where they turned it over on downs and they were in short yarded situations after having such a good night on third down finally they've been a terrible third down team all year they kind of went back in in the crucible to just a couple bad plays there on third and one, fourth and one. I'm also thinking about the, the drive before the same thing happened. 
It was it was good to see Gino adjust because there has been talk about him getting the ball out quicker. And I think that is one thing you saw. You saw him make that adjustment. And I think it would have been a big red flag if you heard that talk from Gino, you heard that talk from the offensive coordinator, and then he couldn't do it. So I think that, like, I think this was a, I don't think it, obviously it derails whatever playoff hope Seattle had or kind of. But they still I got do, it. They still got yeah, it. They, but they still have a chance. But it, it hurts. didn't help. It hurts. It, they had an opportunity tonight. For but sure. I think this is a good sign for the for the team going forward. Like I think like that Gino still has these moments when he can he can light up a game and he can match a MVP candidate throw for throw. Right. And you know statistically, he's been getting rid of the ball about the same time this year. The pressure's just been getting there faster. He's been avoiding sacks much better. Actually, he's. Mm-hmm. He, that used to be, you know, one of the worst parts of his game last year, even in his breakout was still like below average, but not terrible this year. It's pretty good. And you saw that tonight. Like if you had looked at the box score, you would have no idea. And I know Parsons got three QB hits, but you would have no idea that Parsons kind of dominated this game. And, and Lawrence had a good game too, because Gino was getting rid of the ball. I mean, some of those dimes early to DK, it was also great to see DK have a game like this. Cause I think that the Thanksgiving game kind of, encapsulated what's been a really disappointing season for DK, not winning contested catches, just being kind of a little lazy with his, his routes on the sideline, stuff like that. And tonight he was like, he was DK, what you imagine him to be that first dime that Gino threw to him just felt like it, like kind of freed the two of them. And, and he threw so many good passes tonight. It was, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, being Gino guys to have him have this night in an island game, it did feel like a a release for me, a little weight and, off my shoulders, you know. And I liked how you got to see him thrive under pressure. Like you got yes. to see that this is what he's been dealing with all year. He's been dealing with this type of protection and receivers that I don't think have been running great routes. And I, it's kind of hard to say when you're outside of the building, but there's been a lot of miscommunications. I think that's the best way you could put it. And you didn't really see that tonight. Like you saw Gino get rid of the ball and the receivers ended up where they were supposed to be. And the ball ended up where it was supposed to be. I think if if this team could find any consistency, they might look like the team we see when they're at their highest. Like when they have these breakout performances, because they are capable of it. We've seen it like a handful of times over the last two years, just stringing them together. Right. And, and defensively, they have so many players. You would think that they can have some better games than the ones that they've had, and I'll get into it in a minute, uh, but they've just been a, a sub-mediocre defense, like a very below-average defense, and, and you saw it uh, tonight. But if they can if they can get their offense going like this, they did have Abe Lucas back in the run game, which, you know, maybe that helps. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, though, was 19 for 60. Uh, he did have a 39-yard catch, too, but he left late with a knee injury and was immediately ruled doubtful, which that is not a, a great sign. Maybe Kenneth Walker's back uh, next week. Uh, but Smith and Jigba made some plays until he had that miscommunication on on the turnover on downs on the on the drive before the last one, and and Lockett, I think one of the plays Seahawks fans are going to remember is the Seahawks are up thirty five to thirty, they're driving. I mean, right? They they had the ball up thirty five to thirty uh, to possibly yeah, kick a field goal to get, go up eight halfway through the fourth quarter, or even you know score a touchdown and kind of put the game away and Gino has one of his best anticipation throws of the night. It gets there, you know, after Lockett, you know, makes his turn 
and it hits him right in the helmet and Gino gets sacked the next play. <laughs> right, or, or it was a, maybe it was a pressure and a throwaway the next play, uh, but that drive ended right there and they would have been in field goal range uh, on one of the better Gino passes of the night. They're robbing our boy, Steven. They really are. And I feel like <laughs> we're talking about how well these quarterbacks played. I don't think the receivers played all that well outside of DK. Hmm. Like, now we're amazing. sounding like we're just like, it's a pro Gino thing. I mean, there DK were a played, lot of drops. There were a lot of balls that hit there were, people. There were some drops. Fant had a nice catch. Uh, I mean, on both sides. I mean, on both sides. Yeah, on both sides, certainly. There were there were some drops. I mean, Smith and Jigba, I like that he's getting more consistent. Uh, he had the touchdown that was overturned on review, but at least he drew a, a long P.I. on that call. Um, there were a lot of P.I. calls, and we'll hit that. But first, we're going to take a break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. You know, I mentioned before the break, I mean, the penalties were a huge story of this game. There were 257 penalty yards, Stephen, in this game. That is the most for a game in regulation since Bears-Bills 2018 which I don't have, it was in November. I don't have a, an immediate recollection, but I do. Likely, that, likely that a was, Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen uh, no, showdown. No, Nathan Peterman. Oh, was it? Wait, are, really? Yeah, I think it was a Nathan Peterman special. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Al Michaels commenting tonight on uh, the penalties. Let's listen. We're going to take the rest of the night off of the Cleek Blakeman call of the game. Yes! You buy him? Sure. <laughs> I was getting so mad. I don't know if he was having occasionally he has like senior moments, but like he literally said like, oh, and guess what's next? When when the flags came out, like on four straight plays at one point in the third quarter, he was just like beside himself. I mean, Al, this was a, a great performance, a throwback performance for Al, in my opinion. He was okay. matching Gino and Dak. He was right there with them. Uh, I'll, I'll buy that. I would like a little more excitement there at the end. I would like, it's more of a Herb Street thing, but there were a lot of game management situations at the end of the game that were very interesting and they didn't really like go over ahead of time or even afterwards. Uh, you know, the Cowboys had the ball, we might as well, you know, talk about it now. They, they had the ball after they 
turn the Seahawks over on downs and they get it uh, with two. Let's see how long was left in the game. Uh, they get it with 143 to go. And they basically, or no, sorry, they get it with three uh, 11 to go. That makes more sense. At, at the Seahawks 49 yard line. And two first downs basically wins the game there. Uh, and they immediately get into the red zone on that drive. And they get into a situation where it's third and three. The Seahawks are all out of timeouts. And there's 140, maybe a little more left on the clock. And they throw a, a pass from, I think it was the 14, into the end zone. I know it's one-on-one CeeDee Lamb, and he's been so great tonight, but it wasn't really close. He was well covered. The ball was, you know, it was kind of through a, a safe pass to make sure it didn't get interception. And it's incomplete. And that was, I, lo- I love being aggressive, but that's actually not being aggressive. That's just That was just bad game management. If they run the ball there, it goes under a minute. And you you run the ball there because it's fourth and three, and you kind of plan on you run the ball twice, and you win the game, and it's over with. And if if you don't get it the second time, it's under a minute left, and they're inside like the ten yard line or the thirteen yard line. I thought that was crazy by McCarthy. No, it, that that's always the thing with McCarthy, right? Like every time I'm starting to think McCarthy's turning it around, like getting Dak <laughs> to play like this is an accomplishment. I have to give him credit. I'm not going to take credit away yes. from him for doing that. Yes. But these are the moments where you're like, uh-oh, like that's going to come up in the playoffs. And I don't think he's going to make the right decision. Like there was even like a two-point conversion chance earlier in the game. And I don't know what the analytics say about it, but a lot of people are wondering why they didn't go for it to tie yeah, it up. Yeah, it was 28-26. It was like, why were you not going for two at that moment? And then I, for they me, went for it's it not, later and they got it later. It's not just McCarthy. Like I got questions about Dan Quinn. Hmm. Okay. And it's the same questions that anyone would have about Dan Quinn and that, that like style of defense that we've seen. Like we see it in Seattle, like that cover three lineup in play. We're not going to like do anything to trick you. I just think it's a defense that can be schemed up and it's a defense that can be exploited by the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And in order to win a Super Bowl, you have to beat the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And th- that's my worry. Yeah, it, it it's a fair point that like, the Cowboys defense has been great this year. I mean, it hasn't been like Ravens Browns level and it, it's got great talent, but this is the first game in a long time. And granted they haven't played many great offenses. Um, you know, they did a pretty good job. I thought against the Eagles overall, they, they gave up more points than they should have, but it, it was, they played well. Uh, it it was disarming to see the, like a team go up and down the field, throwing the ball on them. I mean, Deron Bland, Michael said gave up more yards in that first half than any cornerback in uh, any f- half of football all year. So his defensive player of the year candidacy uh, was always silly to me. I mean, give him an all pro. That, that's fine. Uh, but people were trying to talk that up this week. Like that's over with now, even though he had an electric interception. That was not even a bad throw by Gino. I didn't think. Right. Uh, yeah. If anything, Bland just kind of bodied lock it out of position on a play lock it like had position when the ball was thrown and bland made a great play but bland got cooked in this game and and you're right maybe the the secondary like do do you think there are holes here like in the back seven essentially for for dallas i do think it can be attacked and i think if you can mitigate the pass rush which i don't think seattle did in any shape or form tonight but i think there are teams that are capable of doing that like san francisco as we've seen that i think it's going to be an issue and i i don't think like 
Dan Quinn's style of defense offers you like schematic help. It's rare, really hmm. reliant on execution and talent and I think fundamentals, which is like a, a great way to play. And it makes sense with their talent. It's just when you run into offenses that can match your talent, it becomes a problem then. Yeah, because, you know, who like Bland is playing outstanding. Gilmore's still a really solid yeah, starting yeah. corner. Um Odigizua and the guys inside are, are good. Parsons is just outrageous. I think I might as great as Garrett's been, I I I'm still I'm still holding out my vote there that it's like we got a long way to go. And like I in my heart, I still feel like Parsons is actually better and having a better season, even though it's not quite there. So I'm I'm allowing the possibility that he might just close really strong. And then Lawrence had a huge fourth down stop on Charbonnet. It's just those little moments of the game where like their best players stepped up. Uh like Jake Bobo on a on a on a screen, the play before it looked like he had more yards to pick up. I mean, these, these are what you think about when you're a Seahawks fan. I'm a quasi <laughs> Seahawks fan now. What happened to me? Steven? You don't get to claim that. Aren't you a Patriots fan? You don't get to claim that. I mean, I've I I jump on different teams depending on the year. And this uh this Patriots oh, the, team was the dead Patriots to me before. Start we losing a little bit. And you I mean, our ship. my great friend Chris Wesley and I mean they they already made fun of me. I, I remember saying even as the Patriots run was over, I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not going to be as into it once Brady's gone. It's just like, cause I know it'll never be the same. Like what's the point of chasing uh, that? High? I mean, you're a Panthers fan. So you've had a tough week. That's why you've that's been That's how busy. I was with Cam. That's how I, once Cam left, I'd like, I'm a Panthers fan's a strong word is how I'll put it. You, you've been busy. They got you just like doing the whole podcast circuit. You did Mina's show. We should have coordinated me and Mina. So it's like, it's maybe too much Ruiz uh, for the people nah, out there. Nah, it's not enough. The people need more. Yeah, they're like trot me out playing like Sarah McLaughlin music with like with the sad puppies. Like that's who I am. <laughs> uh, it is tough. Uh, what is um, what is your opinion of the? Here we go. Sure. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Like, do you hear it while you're walking around? Is it just like part of your life? Like it is mine at this point. It is. I, I and I didn't really notice it until people started pointing it out. I always felt like Cam Newton had a weird one too. So. I'm like kind of partial to them and I don't hate it like everyone yeah, what else were, does. What were Cam's? I, he was always high in my cadence rankings. He had a nice deep voice, but I can't think of him right off the top of my head. I think it was similar. I think it might mm. have been Here We Go. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. No, it no, no. It was like, it was, it was, it was like, ready. It was something like yeah. that. Ready. Uh, he, but it, nice and deep. And, and Dax just got that bass. Uh, yeah, it really started for me in the Rams game. I don't know why I didn't uh, notice it before then i i still want to get on pete carroll before we go just because of the way they've built this team like as i see jamal adams getting pressures but not really finishing the play on those blitzes and when i see him like in position but not doing anything about the ball when the ball's in the air and they're throwing it to Jake Ferguson to win the game and there were there were other plays like that and i think about what they gave up for adams i know, I know he's gotten hurt and Wagner has been good, but you know, he'll get frozen a little bit in coverage, like on that first tight end and that first touchdown, he's not even moving. And then, you know, Daryl Taylor's bouncing off him. And I just think of all the picks and they traded that pick for Leonard Williams, a second round pick. And I just think they came into this game 23rd in DVOA. Um, I know it's the Cowboys, but the Cowboys looked as good or better against this defense than they've looked against anyone. So that net number is going to go down to like 26. It's a defensive coach. 
They've been above average one time, Stephen, since 2017 in terms of DVOA, and they were 13th that year in the COVID year. So even that year, it's not like they were great. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't really build, believe in building around defense anyways, but they've put too much into it to me for this whole thing to make any sense because the offense, like, it's, you've got a, like a, a, a good quarterback, but you don't have... You don't have a top five quarterback. Right, you need yeah. your defense and running game to help out. Yeah, it's tough. I think Pete Carroll's a good head coach, but I agree with it's kind of like the Belichick thing where you got to separate the coach from the the team builder. I think he's a good coach too, and it's not like a total thing. It's just their defense is disappointing. Like it's 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 very often less than the sum of their parts, and and he's a defensive coach. It's never certain more than the sum of their parts. You would think just by randomness they would they would luck into like a number six defense season one of these years, but they don't. They're, they're right, I was happen. I'm really surprised they're below average. I'm surprised. No, no, like and that that was kind of the point I was gonna make. I think like the thing that we kind of overrate with Carroll maybe is his defensive mastery or whatever you want to call it. Like, I think that's the overrated part. I think the way, like, he he motivates a locker room and keeps a team together, I think that's the the secret stuff. Yep. But, like, his best defense is, I mean, give me five Hall of Famers and I can give you, like, a top 15 defense at least. <laughs> like, he what? had Earl Thomas and he had Richard Sherman. And that, like, that wasn't even how his reputation was built. His reputation was built on, like, the 90s 49ers who had, like, 10 Hall of Famers on their roster. Well, he, he did it at USC, too, and it was, like, it was the right defense for that time. They had, and, they had talent on that team, too, though. Right, like right. Team. And it's the it's the Belichick-Brady argument. It's it's the Walsh, like, Montana. It's always symbiotic. Like, that's football. That was the right – he was the right coach for those groups of players, and he and he was right to target the certain body types, and, and he, hit, he hit the lottery, and he made it – like maxed it out, you know, except for uh, finishing out that Super Bowl against the Patriots. But you know, he maxed it out. But that was a five-year run in the in the defense. You know, it's it's no longer happening. By the way, I, did you no notice the moment? Then they, they had fourth and one at the end of the half. No, they threw it. They threw it. Seattle threw it again. It's fourth right. and one, and they threw the <laughs> right. slant. It was like their same route combination too. They threw the slant. Geno right. completed the slant. Russ couldn't complete it. Difference in the Super Bowl. Right. And uh, man, now I forget because I was running around at one point and, and then caught back up. It The the Seahawks also ran like the same concept as the Patriots uh, go ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, the, the Cowboys ran the same concept, right? Against the Seahawks. But basically, the Patriots had run to, to go ahead. So it was like a it was a fun little vintage night. We got Dan Quinn. We, we got it all. <laughs> this was beautiful. We didn't have a punt. We got all these penalties. Um, this was it. This was the game to have Steven Ruiz on. I appreciate it. Um, Steven, where can we check out your work? I know where. It's the ringer. Um, what day what days are your podcasts on? Give give me the give me the lowdown. Wednesdays and Monday mornings. Okay. In the, in the ringer NFL feed. You've got um the quarterback rankings. Yeah, outstanding on Wednesday. We should have like a quarterback rankings off between you and uh, our new uh, QB index writer, Nick Shook. I've read um, it. I read his every week. I, I I keep an eye on the competition. Oh, yeah. he He's great. And he helps us out on our Sunday nights uh, because, look, you, you've you been doing this while. He's been doing it a while now, too, but just started the QB thing. Um, but he's bigger than you. Like, he's just like a intimidating uh, looking guy. Like, he's huge. So. 
All just right, then his his quarterback rankings are the best. Just the know that. No, I just want I just wanted you to know because you probably never seen him. Just like check out um, check out Shook. We call him the pipe. Um, just check out like his little AVI. Uh, but yeah, okay. people should check out Stephen. Uh, I've been following his work now for a while. Stephen is young, and yet now he's a veteran. He's been in the game uh, a while, and and people should uh, should read everything he writes and check him out on the podcast. That will do it for tonight. It was a fun one. It was a great one, and it was it was great talking to talking to you about it. Uh, it Stephen Ruiz week is over, um, but the podcast never ends. We will be back on Sunday with the flagship show. Until then, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.